Broadcasting live from the Business Radio X studios in Nashville, Tennessee, it's time for Nashville Business Radio. Now, here's your host. Welcome to another exciting and informative edition of Nashville Business Radio. Stone Payton here with you today, and you guys are in for a real treat. Please join me in welcoming to the broadcast with Trade Bank Nashville, Mr. Ed Fox. Good morning, sir. G'day, Stone. How's it going? It is going well. G'day. All right, there's a clue. Sounds like uh, you might be from a, a little bit south of here originally. Yeah, I, I'm from the deep south, southern <laughs> hemisphere. <laughs> Everything's backwards down there, right? Like summer is winter and the, and the water flows a different. I don't know. It's just different, right? <laughs> it, it is, yeah. Like so, take uh, Christmas Day. You go down the beach with a with a cold salad, and it's a hundred degrees. And yep. <laughs> so, what brought you from Australia to to our fair land? Well, you know, I, I tell people I wasn't born here, but I got here as fast as I could. Um, <laughs> did all the paperwork, did it all legally. But actually, I, I met I met a wonderful girl who came to Australia on vacation, and she walks up to me and she says. Uh, you spent so long flirting with them two New Zealand girls uh, that I think you made me miss my bus for dinner. And even if you didn't, you should take me out. And I look around and I say, look back and I said, I've heard of pushy American women. Now I've met one. Well, we've been (laughs) married 32 years. Best thing I ever did. Oh, my goodness. And your entrepreneurial journey, were you doing entrepreneurial kinds of things back back in the homeland? Yeah, I, I grew up with a grandmother that was like one of the top 10 Tupperware dealers in town. And all my aunts and uncles had some sort of business from a fried chicken restaurant to a, you know, I guess you called industrial salvage these days. We called it a junkyard back then. Uh, so they were all business owners. And so I, at seven years old, I, t- I told my grandmother, I said, uh, Nan, when I grow up, I want to be a business owner too. And so um, left school at 15 and started the first business. And what was that business? It was a convenience store, a, a little corner store had been shut down, no uh, no gas pumps, no petrol station, but just a little old-fashioned general store on the corner. And uh, the little old lady's husband had passed away a couple of years ago and the shop had been empty. And I'd known her from, we just lived around the corner and I walked up to her one day and I said, Mrs. Simpson, um, can I rent your shop? I've got a plan. She goes, oh, you got a plan, do you? So she said, come on in and, and come on into the house and tell me your plan. And uh, the next week I opened a convenience store with 80 bucks. Wow. what a, That's why I love to have these conversations. What an inspiring story. I mean, just sharing that story with other people in your, in, in your ecosystem, in your world, and letting them know uh, that you were able to do that. I, I, I bet it's a fun story to share, and I bet f- people find it inspiring. Well, I hope so. That's the whole plan is, you know, you, you have to be authentic, right? You do you. What, whatever that is for you, as long as you're not hurting other people. Um, so for me, the entrepreneurial journey, I get asked a lot, well, uh, don't you miss a formal education? Or do you think, you know, they want me to either support their argument that formal education isn't needed or say that formal education is needed? And, you know, we all pay for our education one way or another. I've spent hundreds <laughs> of thousands of dollars on mistakes, right, on business mistakes. And my wife has a degree and is a pharmacy manager for Kroger, and so she's gone the formal route. Uh, both can work, right? And so that's what I want that story to say. Hey, look, if you're a if you're a young kid and you want to go into business, go into business. You know, if you want to go to college and, and get a degree and use that degree in some, some other field, then do that. You, you do you. 
All right, so let's talk about Trade Bank a little bit. What got you interested in this whole idea, this this concept of, of bartering? Well, bartering to me just made good sense. When I opened the convenience store, one of the things we did back in 1983 was we had video rentals, right? So VHS and beta back in the day, that's sort of dating myself, but... Um, <laughs> We traded movie rentals for virtually everything we needed. So we used barter right from the get-go um, to grow our business. And so when I came across Trade Bank, and I, I'd always bartered stuff, you know, even as kids and, and growing into adults, we all barter things all the time. You know, the wife says, look, if you take the kids to the park on Saturday, you know, then I'll, you know, Sunday afternoon, you can watch football, you can do whatever you want. You know, that's a barter, right? That's something that you do. Well, in business, it works the same way. Why pay cash? Why pay retail price for an item when you could take your wholesale cost and barter that for their retail priced item? So even if you break it down to like a bottle of water and a hot dog, right, Stone, if I could trade, if you're the hot dog vendor and I'm the water guy, if I could trade you a bottle of water because you're thirsty and I'm hungry and I want a hot dog, well, we both get the value, but we haven't had to spend the money. I love it. Now, I'm operating under the impression that Trade Bank just, just provides some some structure and some scale and some convenience and ease of execution to this concept, right? Because even though I, I might have a dozen eggs to trade, my neighbor may not have the bacon that I want to trade it for, right? Exactly. Exactly. So a managed barter platform is not something that people are very familiar with. And we've forgotten how to barter. We, we, I have people all the time that just fold their arms and say, I'd just rather pay cash. And I'm like, okay, let me get this straight. You've got a 10 cent bottle of water that you bought in a case and I can help you trade that for things you want at full retail boat, but you'd rather just pay the full full retail price? Uh, that doesn't make any sense to me. And so I realize it's a failure on my behalf to educate properly. So when you take a managed barter platform and you plug them into the system, think of it like a, uh, you ever used Cash App, Venmo or PayPal? It's oh, sort yeah. of like an app. Right. It's an app we use on our phone. And and for you to send money to that pe- people, they have to be on the app. Well, Trade Bank has the same sort of app, only that you use it within the network. So if I'm a web designer and you're a voiceover artist, maybe I need you to do some videos on my website, but you need a new website. So you and I could barter directly. But like you said, if you've got eggs and you want my bacon, but I don't have bacon, then that's not going to work. So by using a barter platform app, you can trade what you have with other people that don't necessarily have anything to trade with you because you're using the barter currency instead. So are, are you finding that there are certain industries, certain uh, professional practices, certain types of businesses that really gravitate to this kind of, kind of thing and, and really do well with it? There are industries that do well with it, but more than that, as you've come across, I'm sure, across the years, it's more about the attitude of the person behind the business. Hmm. If they if they grasp the concept, if they grasp the concept of their cost of goods being traded for somebody else's retail price and them saving and leveraging that margin and putting that back in their pocket by not having to spend it, it really could work with virtually any industry. Now, there's some legal requirements that certain industries can't use it, right? If, if I'm an insurance salesman, I can't take your premium in barter currency. I'm not allowed to do that. 
but if I'm a restaurant, if I'm a coffee shop, if I'm a voiceover artist, a web designer, a podiatrist, a lazy eye surgeon, a, a plastic surgeon, a, you know, basically any other field that can accept cash can accept barter currency. All right, so let's talk about me. You know, it's my show, and it's my favorite subject. <laughs> but, but no, I, I think it's, it'd be a great way for me to really get my arms around this and, and helpful for our listeners. Let, let's play this through for a moment. So I work with Business Radio X. I, I own a pretty uh, big percentage of the overall network, but I also I run a Business Radio X studio in Cherokee County, Georgia. You and I were talking uh, before we went on air. There's a guy here locally um, that that runs the the trade bank for this area. Uh, play that like how would that w- work for me? Oh, and just to give you some insight on our business model, we don't charge people to be on the show, obviously. Uh, right. But but professional services B two B people uh, pay us money to help them design shows that help them use the platform to build relationships, and um, and so that's our business model. And we've been doing it for a long time. Uh, so those are the you know I'm looking for those kinds of. Uh, Clients, and then I use all kinds of services. Interesting, you should mention voiceover artists. We use voiceover artists to do our intros and outros and that kind of stuff. So, what, what might that look like for a, a guy like me? Like the onboarding process and, and how I can get the most out of it. If you don't mind, walk us through that. Yeah, you bet. Uh, so, having the studio, there's probably times when the studio is not being used. Would that be correct? Oh, yeah. <laughs> So that is unbooked revenue, right? So if you have if you have an, an a studio or a dentist office or whatever, and we're talking in your specific case, you have time in the studio that you're not getting paid for. Uh, get paid for that in barter currency. In turn, take that barter currency, hire one of my voiceover artists from Nashville, one of my voiceover artists from Wichita, Kansas. I own both those regions. That means that you... Uh, the cash that you would normally spend on those voiceover artists is back in your pocket because you're using the barter currency and transacting through the app. So you would rent out studio time. Uh, maybe if you do advertising, you would would make some ads for people. You would sell those on barter, and then you would take those barter dollars and offset some of your expenses by using barter dollars instead of using your cash. Now you've got a whole new revenue stream, and you've offset some of your regular expenses so what does that do with the cash that you were spending on those voiceover artists now that you're spending barter on them? That puts that cash back in your pocket. So that makes you healthier, uh, a business healthier all the way around. So it, it just dawned on me as you were talking, I suspect that there's this whole group of people that are already part of the system. Again, here here in, in my world too, here here in um, in Georgia. And so it's it's also sort of putting me out there in front of that, group isn't it it's 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 another method for getting the word out about the work that we do right exactly it opens you up to a whole new network you know sometimes uh, people don't realize about all these other networks that are out there i had a financial planner friend who was a gamer she played she did cosplay and she went to conventions i said that's a whole new market that most financial planners won't tap into so now we relate that to barter. Stone, this is a whole network. We have about 4,500 members. We're a boutique barter exchange across Southeast United States, from Florida across to Alabama, up to Wichita, Kansas. And there is uh, franchise cities in there. And, and the guy you were talking about in the Atlanta area, uh, Lee Connor, would be a great guy to talk to about this if you're in the Atlanta area. And 
that would open you up to that network, as you said. So how does the, and I ask this question, I, I come from sort of the sales and marketing side of training and consulting a long, long time ago when I had something uh, more akin to a real job. Uh, <laughs> so <laughs> it's how my mindset works. But I always, I'm always interested to know like how the whole sales and marketing thing works. And I ask this of, of attorneys and CPAs and marketing consultants, how does the whole sales and marketing thing work for, for a guy like you with these multiple uh, entities that are, that are doing this business? How, how do you get to, I don't know, have conversations like this, I guess. Uh, putting yourself out there the way most other business owners do uh, joining a chamber joining a networking group like a BNI or something equivalent, NTI maybe, um, and, and just putting yourself out there in front of people, right? Uh, I, I'm in the process of writing a book. It's called Be Authentic, Unless You're a Serial Killer, then don't be that cheap. <laughs> <laughs> so, so the idea being that if we're authentic, right, unless we're a jerk, right, if we're a jerk, we need to change. You know, there's people say, oh, I'm a, I just have to accept me for the way I am. No, 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 you don't. You can't build relationships if you're not a nice person. So be a nice person. <laughs> So it's the same with any business. We're all trying to reach new customers. And I think we've forgotten how to be authentic. We've forgotten how to share our concerns and our worries. And and people think that salespeople are always out there to sell. They're not. They're out there to solve problems. And if I solve your problem, is it okay that I make some money because I solved your problem? That's what I do. So it's the same thing. Build a network, get out there, meet that network and invite them to participate in whatever your product or service is. So starting on this entrepreneurial journey so young, having that success, um, did, did you have an opportunity? To, did you have some mentors along the way? In the second part of that question, are you finding that now you have uh, some opportunities to, to mentor others? Yeah, so you hit the nail on the head of, of what really drives me right now is I, I, can't, I can't say I'm a self-made man, right? Because there's been so many people that helped me up. So when I started the convenience store with $80, uh, I talked to our, at that time, we still had a milkman. He still delivered milk, 1983 in Australia, a little country town, 20,000 people. And I said, uh, his name was Ralph Lean, uh, old guy, but he could still carry around cases of milk. And I said, would you put them in on consignment? He's like, dude, I need cash. I said, but what if you put in like a hundred liters on Monday morning and then Tuesday morning, I pay you for whatever I sold the day before. Hmm. And he did that. And so he put them in on consignment, patted me on the head, said, you know, I want to help you out. You, you, you're, it's exciting. We didn't use the word entrepreneur back then. We said business owner. So he says, it's exciting <laughs> to have a kid as a business owner. And then he brings me three or four other guys that put their stuff in on consignment. So all of those guys were mentoring me, guys and gals were mentoring me and helping me grow my business to the point that we did $100,000 in 1983 the first year. I didn't have a clue what wow. I was doing. You know, 1983, $100,000 for a 15-year-old kid. And, um, you know, mum and dad, I didn't have a license in Australia. You can't get a license till you turn 18. So mm. they would deliver the newspapers to the shop and they would buy the groceries and stuff for me, stuff I couldn't get done. And so, again, they helped me. Second year, they come in. They said, look, dude, you're killing yourself. Let us help you build it. Second year, we did 300000 right? And then we, we built it up to about half a million. And then I, I stopped tracking it. It just, it just kept growing. And we finally sold it after five years. But it was all about having mentors 
to help me and learn the steps along the way. And now I'm able to do that for business owners. I'm able to take people that maybe are solo entrepreneurs, maybe they don't know their marketing, they don't know their advertising, they don't know what to do, they don't know how to get their business off the ground. And I love talking on business topics. I I love talking business. I love talking and promoting. I have a real passion. Everybody should have a side hustle. Hmm. Well, and, and I got to believe people love to just hear you talk, right? Don't you get a little mileage out of that? Awesome. Uh, I do. I, and and it, you have some funny conversations like uh, 4th of July, right? So I, I'm an American citizen. Um, Austra- I say Australian by birth, American by choice. I mean, I love to visit Australia. I miss family. But given the opportunities in America, I love Tennessee. Uh, I loved Kansas. We lived in Kentucky for a year. I loved that. Uh, I, I just love those free states, right? And coming from Australia, which is very controlled, uh, I wanted that freedom. And um, for me, I had a guy the other day, he says, do you have 4th of July in Australia? I said, yeah, it's right after 3rd of July. <laughs> you know, I, I'm a bit of a smart aleck. What can I say? You know, they say, where's your accent come from? I said, me mouth. Like, no, no, no. Where are you from? I said, well, as long as you don't say New Zealand, we're good. I said, I'm from the south. I, I say g'day y'all when I want to confuse people. Oh, nice. So, yeah, so I have I have fun with that conversation. It opens doors. You know, um, I, I say to people, I say, look, hey, when you go networking, the easiest thing to do is throw out your hand and say, g'day, my name's Ed. Of course, I wouldn't use g'day and I wouldn't use Ed. I'd use your own name. But, you know, <laughs> that, that's the way, that's the way I, I say, look, if you need an icebreaker, you say this, say, uh, hi, how much does a polar bear weigh? And they go, well, I don't know. It's enough to break the ice. My name's Bob. <laughs> so I, I've written a couple of dad joke books. I do a TikTok channel with nothing but dad jokes. Um, but, you know, when, when you have businesses, when you have multiple different businesses and you're trying to promote and market the businesses, people want to know the person behind the business. Uh, you know, uh, we, uh, we in America, Australia, most of the westernized world, we love chains, right? We love the branding. We love being marketed to, although we say we don't. We love being marketed to. But they want, we want to be marketed to in the way that is interesting to us. And so most of the time I find I want to know the person behind the brand. Like I, I, with you, Stone, I would, if we were close, I'd love to go out and have a beer or a Coke or a coffee, have something to eat, learn more about what you do. And then I would know better on how to help you utilize barter to grow your business, right? Yeah. So what you're saying is Lee should buy me a beer. Lee should buy you a beer. Yes. <laughs> okay, I'll, we- I'll tell him that. I'll send him a message after we get off this call and, and I'll, I'll text him. Fantastic. So I know in my world, there are at least a handful of, what would I call them, misconceptions, there's some misinformation, there are some assumptions about what we do and and, and what we're about, uh, and and our work gets confused with some other kind of media approaches. I got to believe that there are probably a few just misconceptions, some, some patterns that you run into that you, that you, need to clear up to genuinely serve someone. Is that accurate? And if so, can you share a couple of these? Yeah, you bet. It is accurate. Number one, awareness. People don't realize that a managed barter platform is out there, or let's just say barter. They don't realize that barter is done on a high level as well as on an everyday level. They think about barter with farmers and agriculture, right? Like you said, eggs for bacon. Mm. 
but they don't realize that barter can ha- happen on a high level. I like telling the story of Pepsi. Pepsi back in the 60s traded a billion dollars of Pepsi products for a billion dollars of vodka from Russia. Huh. In the 80s, they traded $3 billion of Pepsi products and Pepsi became the sixth largest military in the world for a brief period of time because they traded for $3 billion in decommissioned naval assets, including wow. 17 submarines, a frigate and destroyer. Now, who thinks of Pepsi becoming a military power because they bartered soft drink for military hardware? You know, that's a barter deal that you would never think of. So there's misconception out there that barter is not used in today's economy, but 92% of Fortune 500 companies barter. Wow. They do it all the time. If you just Google search barter and, and do a Google alerts on different things that are bartered. So at my level, I get misconceptions like, oh, it's, it's a cryptocurrency. No, it's not a cryptocurrency. It's actually been operating for 35 years, uh, started in the Atlanta market. 35 years it's been around, sold their first franchise in 94, I think it was, and teaching people that, you know what, barter can be as good as cash, and in fact, it can sometimes be smarter. So one of the one of the misconceptions I break down is I say, Stone, if I have $100 cash to put in one hand, or we have 100 trade bank barter dollars to put in the other hand, looks like monopoly money, but isn't, you know, we, it's, a, it's not a physical note, it's on the app. Mm-hmm. If, if I let you keep the $100 cash if we go eat somewhere on trade or we go eat somewhere for cash and you keep the 100 barter dollars, 99.9% of the time, if people understand it, they'll say, well, I want to keep the cash, right? right. I want to keep the cash and let's spend your, your barter dollars because cash to me has more value. So you're saying that cash is king, but what you've actually told me is, hey, Ed, wouldn't it be smarter to spend the barter? Well, of course, <laughs> you've just told me that, oh, I'm going to keep the cash because cash is king. But what you've actually said is it's smarter to spend the barter because we're going to drive by four burger restaurants to get to the fifth because he accepts barter. So he's outbid all his competition for your business by accepting barter dollars. And they go, yeah, but what's the benefit to him? Well, now he takes those barter dollars and he buys advertising. We just did, uh, I think we did up to $2 million on Yellowstone when they launched on Paramount Plus and Peacock, we were able to sell commercials for barter dollars. We had a Uh a firm here in Franklin, Tennessee that does phone services and uh, they're called One Call Technology. They do voice over IP phone services and they were able to buy a thousand ads during Yellowstone in a Franklin zip code uh, for two barter dollars an ad. A thousand thirty-second ads for two thousand barter dollars. Wow! They can't. They can't get that exposure anywhere else. And they, they use the line, uh, "Frustrated by business phone service, have Rip take it to the train station." <laughs> 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 so it worked great, and then they sent out postcards. But they were able to spend their barter dollars instead of spending their cash. So anytime you can spend barter dollars instead of spending your cash, that means more money staying in your pocket. And if we are actually going into a recession, you know, the media would like us to think we're going into a recession. Mm -hmm. I don't know. I'm not an economist. I don't know if we are or not. But I can tell you that if we have that mindset that it's going to be a recession, 
Do you want to spend a hundred cents on the dollar for things you need? Or would you like to spend 50 cents on the dollar or less? Because you're spending that wholesale dollar. So busting down the myths, number one, educating and making people aware that a managed barter platform even exists, right? That is available to virtually every business out there to get new customers and open up new networks and create new revenue streams without changing their processes. All it is, is it goes, it, my wife is a pharmacist and she says it's like buying in-network or out-of-network when you have health insurance. Hmm. If you have health insurance and you shop in-network, you save money, right? If yeah. you have health insurance, but you go outside of the network that the health insurance provides, you have to pay more. Well, do you want to pay more or less? When you, are, uh, when you have health insurance, you stay within network. Well, barter's the same way. If you're a trade bank member and you have the option of, of uh, buying time on the radio with barter dollars instead of paying cash, that means more cash stays in your pocket to grow your business, feed your family. Well, I'm glad I asked. Because, yes, I, I suspect that all of those are things, initial thoughts that people will have till they get a chance to have a, a conversation with you. You strike me, Ed, as a guy who rarely gets down. <laughs> and I you know, I know you're human, so it's, surely you run out of juice now, now and again. Where do you go? And I don't necessarily mean a physical place, but how do you recharge the, the batteries? Where, where do you go for inspiration? Right. So one of the challenges, yeah, sure. Uh, depression is something that has run in my family for a long time. I love the fact that in this day and age, we can talk about mental health. And so when I get depressed, if you're on my Facebook page, you will see me do a run of dad jokes. And I'll, I'll post <laughs> a bunch of memes and a bunch of dad jokes. I, I read an article in Harvard Business Review back in 2014, and it said uh, something uh, paraphrased like the average three-year-old laughs 200 times a day and the average 40-year-old 12. Wow. So that is true, right? We we don't have enough laughter. And, you know, Reader's Digest, I don't know if you've ever read the Reader's Digest, but they have a, a page in there called Laughter's the Best Medicine. And we I've heard from people that, you know, if you feel down, just start laughing, laughing out loud. Well, you know, we can't in a work environment or whatever. People think we're crazy anyway. Uh, but <laughs> but I find the, when you can make people smile and you can make people laugh, it lightens their heart and keeps them healthy. And so for me, humor is the way I do that. So when I get down, number one, I'm married to the most wonderful wife in the world, and that's trademark. We've been married 32 years. But number two, laughter is the key for me. And taking your eyes off yourself and do something for somebody else. So I have people reach out to me through uh, networks like Alignable and LinkedIn and Facebook on social media and then through the chamber and through BNI groups and say, hey, Edward, you, you got a lot of skills in marketing and your own personal brand and, and I would just like to learn from you. And so when I'm depressed, if I can take my eyes off myself and help them briefly, uh, it makes me feel better. What a great piece of counsel right there. All right. So uh, before we wrap, let's make sure that our listeners know how to get in touch with you, have a conversation with you or or someone on your team, whatever you feel like is appropriate, the social media channels, web website. But I want to make sure that these, these folks can reach out. Yeah, you bet. So uh, probably the easiest way to see everything that I do, and it's a little messy, but I use a little uh, app called Linktree. And so it's L-I-N-K-T-R dot E-E, that's the domain, forward slash Aussie Fox, A-U-S-S-I-E-F-O-X. So Linktree uh, forward slash Aussie Fox would take you to all of my different medias. 
But you can find me on LinkedIn, Aussie Fox, A-U-S-S-I-E-F-O-X. You can find me on Facebook under the same thing. Uh, I'm all over the place. Just search Edward Fox Nashville or Edward Fox Wichita on Google and, and I pop up. And it's either going to be for the sport of cricket or dad jokes <laughs> or barter because those are the big <laughs> Those are the big three. Well, Ed, it has been an absolute delight having you on on the show. Man, we we certainly appreciate the work that that you're doing, and we want to continue to follow the story. And please, as your uh, book, as you put that book out, please reach back out and let's let's catch up on on all three of those things. Okay? Yeah, that'd be great. Uh, I love ketchup. <laughs> Oh, my goodness. Well, thank you. Thanks again, man. This has been a, a great deal of fun and, and very informative. Yeah, no worries, Stone. Thanks for having me. All right. This is Stone Payton for our guest today, Ed Fox with Trade Bank Nashville, and, of course, Dad Joke Extraordinaire, and everyone here at the Business Radio X family saying we'll see you next time on Nashville Business Radio. Mm-hmm.